listening to another sermon podcast presented by Chelsea Presbyterian Church. Located in Chelsea, Alabama, we value community, fellowship, and love for people from all walks of life. For more information, find us online at www.chelseaprez.org or check us out on Facebook. 13, it's going to be 1 through 20. Uh, if you do not have your Bibles, uh, as always, it's printed in the order of worship. Through the study on the book of John, the author John is uh, one of Jesus' closest disciples. He's been painting this picture and, and this portrait of who Jesus is, not in, a, in a, 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 an art way, but in an, a, a verbal artistry. And uh, the, the picture he's painted has been pretty complex so far. Today's sermon is going to be even more of a reminder of how complex Jesus was what his mission and what he can do, what he, who he was on earth, what he did on earth, and what he came to accomplish. So let's look at our passage today. We're going to look at John 13, 1 through 20. Uh, for the purpose of uh, brevity at the beginning, we're just going to read the first paragraph, but we will work through all these verses today. Let's look at our opening paragraph. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of the world, to his father, having loved his own who were with him in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing the father had given him all things into his hand, and that he had come from the father and was going back to the father, rose from supper. He laid his, aside his outer garments Taking a towel, he wrapped him around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father God, uh, teach us today what you would have us to see from this passage. You've called us to serve. You've called us to many things. And you were the model uh, in your son of the heart of who you were, what you want us to think about, and who you want us to be. And we can't be that. We need you to help us with this. Give us the grace to understand this today. Give us the grace to do what you would have us to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Now our church probably talks about the idea of serving without expectation probably more than any of our core values besides maybe the gospel. Now I've been around a lot of churches that do mission trips and do service days and that's great but that's not what we're talking about here. We're including that. We're talking about creating a habit and a lifestyle of constantly serving needs in your community here at Chelsea Press, in the church, outside the church, wherever you might live. It's not just about serving our community or feeding people or meeting the needs outside of our church. But it's also about pursuing the needs of the people within our church. And honestly, there are occasions and opportunities where this is what can wear you out the most. Checking in on calling on people that you haven't seen in a while that you know are sick. Visiting those that you know are homebound and can't come right now. Or you just haven't seen in a while. Signing up to bring food to people that are sick or have lost a loved one. Hosting small group. Bringing food to brunch on Sunday, serving in the nursery, just constantly loving on others. And all on a volunteer basis, right? 
And so many times you get nothing in return, not even a thank you. And we have to be comfortable with that. But as you know, it can wear you out and even make you resentful of other people, if we're honest. If you don't have a perspective on this thing, and this is what we're talking about today, what is the perspective that we need, that we're going to have to keep going back to, to not get burnt out as a church when we serve other people? What's going to keep us from resenting the people that, that don't do what we would say is the share that they should do, or they don't return favors, or they don't say thank you for anything. They, they don't even acknowledge what we do. And we keep showing up, doing it, doing it again. What is the perspective that we need without burning out? Well, let's look at the life of Jesus today, and we're going to examine the why of the why of what we do here by way of serving without expectation, and something even deeper that you're going to see that's probably going to blow your mind. So let's look at three points today. We're going to talk about, and they're all in the order of worship, we're going to talk about the gesture, not the gesture, but the gesture of Jesus, the response of disciples, and then this idea about receiving. So let's look at this today. We just read that first passage there that ended with it saying that Jesus took off his garment, tied it to his waist, and he poured water into a basin. And he began to wash the disciples' feet, to wipe them with a towel that had wrapped around him. Now, it's no surprise. I'm not seen as a normal pastor in Chelsea. We talk about this all the time. I'm more learned as known as the brisket man, you know, or the or the ones that throw parties in his driveway. But Jesus was also not the average normal teacher. He ate with outcasts. This is what we've seen so far. He ate with outcasts, but he even ate with Pharisees. This is the picture John's been painting, which made the conservatives mad and the liberals mad in his day. See, and when you ate with folks back then, it wasn't just a nice thing you did to accept an invitation. Back then, when you ate with someone the way that Jesus did, you were welcoming them as friends, and you are receiving their friendship. And both sides, the outcasts and the Pharisees, the servants, liberals, whatever you want to call them, expected Jesus to condemn and correct and to judge the other side in the way that they wanted him to. But Jesus never did that. He always mixed it up. He was always trying to get his people and the people around him to see in larger categories. Think about this. Who in your world would you think you would not want to ever be associated with or seen with? Maybe it's some addicts or prostitutes or atheists or liberals or conservatives or social justice warriors. Whatever in your mind you think, I don't want to be associated with people. Jesus hung out with the equivalent of every one of those. And he loved all those. And he served them. And he ate with them. He gave us a pattern of listening and empathizing and loving people that were so not like him. That's our model. But there's more. And this is what we're talking about today. What Jesus does in this passage blows all of that out of the water. You think the first part's hard? Wait till you see this. He goes about washing the feet of his disciples. His students. Now, I don't think we understand this foot washing thing like we seem to. Uh, because if somebody's washing your feet in this day, day and age, it, it will never be seen as the same ever, ever again. Here's the reason why. Foot washing was not just an act of service. If you think it was just an act of service that Jesus did, you're missing the entire point. What Jesus does here is radical, 
again, he's blowing up every social category. You need to understand the culture of the day. Now, number one, you think our feet get smelly? Try wearing sandals in the heat of the day over and over again and three inches of sand all day, every day. That's dirty. But that's, but, but here's the reason. Here's the thing about it. This is the reason that the foot washing thing was done for, to only, only the lowest of the low servants that had no voice, that had no rights would do this. There's, there's a hierarchy of servants and slaves back then. If you told oh, the, the top person that was a servant in the house, or the middle slave that served the house to wash your feet, they're going to find a way to run off. Because it's reserved for the lowest of the low. This is why it's not just about service. It was considered an offense, even to servants and slaves, to have to do it. And the host of a feast, a master, a rabbi, would never, ever, ever do this. They couldn't even imagine him doing this. And think about this. So far, Jesus has been very clear that he's not only the Son of God, which is a bold claim, but God himself, even bolder, which makes the passage today so complex. This is the God who serves. This is the God that we serve, that has power, but is never pretentious. High claims, but humble actions. And this is who Jesus was. But look, look, look at the next point to see more. Look at what happens in the response. Verse 6. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, you wash my feet. And Jesus said, what I'm doing now, you do not understand. But afterward, you're going to understand. He's basically telling him, there's a way I'm doing things that you're not going to understand until a lot of things happen. And Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him and said, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. So and Peter said to him, Lord, <laughs> not only my feet only, but then my hands and my head. And Jesus said, The one who is made does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. You are clean, but not every one of you is clean. For he knew who was about to betray him. And that's why he said, you're not all clean. So in the beginning, we completely understand Peter's response. It would probably be a lot of our responses. Jesus said, no, no, no. Uh, uh, I mean, sorry, Peter said, Jesus, no, no, no. We should be washing your feet. Now here's the first question of the day. Are you a Peter? Do you get overly concerned about the way God's doing certain things in your, in your life? See, there's times to analyze and critique and always be the person trying to point holes in when somebody shares a story about what God's done in their life and you're thinking, did they really do it in their life? Or judgmental. Or someone brings you something receiving a gift and not receiving it saying, no, 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 I need to, I need to give you a gift. Don't, that, that, is, that is very offensive to the people that are giving gifts in that. See, there's a time to analyze and critique, but then there's just a time to receive. Don't overthink it. Don't put conditions on it. God doesn't. God loves you unconditionally. Just receive what God is doing in your life and other people's lives in the way that he brings it. So what does that mean, the receiving part? Let's look at, uh, let's look at the, the point three. Sorry, if I'm cloudy today, you know why. I may have a prescription medicine in my um, system. I'm saying that for the record. 
All right, verse 12. Look at this. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so am I. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you, should all, that you also should do just as I have done. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a master greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I'm not speaking to all of you. I know who I'm chosen. But scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread will lift his heel against me. I'm telling you this now. Before it takes place, and when it does take place, you may believe that I am He. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. Don't get too bogged down in the sent me and who didn't send me, who received me, and that. He's basically saying this, you are my people. I am the Lord and Master. There's no doubt about it. You're a reflection of me. If people receive you in the message, they're going to receive me just like my father. When people receive, he's talking about this time and time again. When they receive him, they receive the father. Don't say you receive the father, you don't receive Jesus. But there's some more wild things here overall. First of all, look at the call that he gives them to understand what he just did. The calling, he's just calling us to receive. And as we said before, receiving is hard. He's talking about the idea of receiving it versus rejecting it. Receiving a gesture that Jesus has made, his actions, yes, but most importantly, and there's a difference. Jesus is not saying just receive my actions. He said, you can't receive my actions without receiving me because it doesn't make sense. And this is where a lot of people inside the church and outside the church miss it. Receiving what Jesus has done for you and who he is cannot be separated. Judas received the foot washing better than Peter and rejected the foot of the cross. Meaning, he didn't mind Jesus serving him, but rejected serving Jesus. Jesus, Jesus received the actions of Jesus, but betrayed him and who he was personally. Second, look at this. Jesus washed everyone's feet here. Not just John who wrote it here. Not just Peter, who was in the beginning saying, trying to reject it, but Judas, the one who was going to turn him over to the authorities to be killed. Complete betrayal. I mean, go back and look at verse 2 there. It says, During supper, when the devil had already put in the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, that's when he washed Judas' feet. Um... And this is something we got to think about. But before you get angry at Judas, you got to think about this too. Uh, let me remind you what Peter is going to do later. You remember this story? Jesus goes to the cross. They're looking, look, looking out. They see Peter around the fire. They say, Peter, oh, you're one of the followers of Jesus. He's like, no, 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 I'm not. And they're like, oh, well, no, we saw you with him. No, I'm not. Finally, at the end, he starts cursing people and saying, H, no, or whatever he said back then. And that's Peter, you know. So before you start throwing stones at Judas, that's Peter too. See, Jesus knew all of this. And then he washes his feet too. And what's crazy is this. 
This is all right before Jesus knew what he was about to go through. He knew that he was about to go through excruciating execution. And he's doing it this now? I mean, think about this. Look at the quote that we had in the bulletin at the beginning by Tim Keller. Even if our troubles are great, we should still serve. All the time, I hear people say this. If I just have this much money, then I would give this. Are you giving that much now, even though you don't? Then you probably won't later. If, if, I, if my situation was, if, you know, if I just, um, it was more convenient, or if I didn't have kids now, I would do this. Or if I didn't, you know, all these conditions that we can put on it, if I had more time, then I would serve. Maybe when I retire, you keep pushing it back, pushing it back, pushing it back. Even if our troubles are great, Tim Keller says, we should serve. Jesus washed his disciples' feet on the way to the cross. Let me end with three practical points here. One is about moving outside of our own needs and focusing on the needs of others. It's the idea of scarcity versus generosity. Jesus could have thought, I'm about to die, guys. I've poured into these knuckleheads long enough. If they don't get it by now, they're not going to get it. See, this is a call to serve and love others. Most importantly, those that are not like you. But more than that, if you live a life mainly thinking about your needs, and always come to excuses on why you can't serve and what you have and what you don't have versus the needs of others, you will constantly live in the bondage of what I would call scarcity. No matter what you have, no matter what you don't have, it's a mindset, it rarely has to do with resources. Versus living a generous life that leads to freedom. Let hold on to things loosely. Not seeing them for what they are or what they're not. The people I know that are the most generous with their time and resources and money are some, some of the people that, that, that the, the public would look down on of saying they got the least amount of resources. But here's another point. When it comes to serving, who's your Judas? And would you be willing to serve them? Who is the person that you know that you can't stand? You know they can't stand you. You feel like they have betrayed you in a deep way. Who you know probably right, will undermine you and completely against you in other, any way. Would you be willing to serve that person? To love them? Even lay down your life for them in the same way that you would for your best friend? You know what the answer for all of us is? If we're being honest, it's no. It's no. It's just too hard. You can't do it on your own. I can't do it on my own. We need Jesus' help. Not just as a model, but as the life of who we are in our souls and in our minds. It's easy to serve those who serve you back. It's easy to love those who love you. This is why the last point of application is very important. To really serve, you have to be able to receive. Are you a Peter today that we talked about? Are you a Judas today? Receiving and Receiving Jesus as a model is not enough. Looking at what he did and saying, I want to be like Jesus, it's not enough. You have to receive him for the person that he is, submitting to him as Lord and Savior, as both God and man, the person that you look up to and the person that reaches down for you. You have to receive all of that 
or you will never, never get to the place of what we're talking about today or have the power and the ability to serve God's people in the radical ways we're talking about because this is not any power that we have on our own. This is only the power of God through the Holy Spirit. We cannot do it for ourselves. When we try, it frustrates us. Again, as we always say it, and this is the last thing I'll say today, we always say this at Chelsea Press. This is what we all, why we always say religion versus relationship. We're not about religion here. We know it's not sustainable. You can't do, religion can't help you do the things that we talked about today. Always thinking about what you can do versus what Jesus has done for you. Receiving and resting in that is the only way. See, thinking selfishly about what we have done for Jesus and others and then waiting for something in return versus just thinking about Jesus' unconditional love for us and the grace that he has given us, and that being an outpouring of our heart, totally different motives, totally different MOs, and totally different things that we're going to be able to do. One's bondage, one's freedom, even though it may not look like it is. Listen, I try, I've tried. I know. You, you're not going to outgive God in these situations with generosity. Jesus gave everything, including his life. So here's the question today, really at the end. Not, this is not a guilt sermon. This is really a question of this. Would you receive that work that Jesus did for you in life? Will you just rest and contemplate that for a moment? That's where it begins. The rest of it will come as you, you receive the generosity of Jesus and you realize how radical his love is for you. That no matter what you've done, when you hate him the most, he still keeps loving you and loving you and loving you. When you really get a handle on that, that's what's going to transform your heart your soul, not just one time, but a lifestyle of that over and over and over. Meditate on that as we come to the table today, and we're going to receive Jesus and the elements. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today, of our being allowed to be in this place to just receive. Lord, you, you know, every time we come to places like this, there's something in our DNA that just says, well, tell me what to do so I can do it all right. Maybe you're just calling us to stop. Maybe you're just calling us to receive today. Maybe you're calling us just to rest in who you are in the relationship that you've given us. Help us to receive the friendship of that. There's so many things that want to keep us in bondage. Let our hearts not be one of those. But thank you for what you've done on the cross. And in your son's name I pray. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed today's sermon. We want to remind our listeners that our doors are always open at Chelsea Presbyterian Church, and we invite all our listeners to join us for worship. You can visit us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at Chelsea Middle School. To hear more of our sermons from our church or for more information, you can find us online at www.chelseapres.org or check us out on Facebook.